Good morning, everybody. Uh, this is different. I know. Uh, and I know that you know that I'm sitting in an empty room, mostly empty. There's six or seven of us that are here. Uh, but I'm here. Uh, you're in your pajamas. And so we're going to study God's Word together. Uh, as you know, if you come to Journey, we make our outline available on the Version app. So if you've downloaded that, uh, go to the More tab in the bottom right-hand corner, push Events. You may have to search around for us a little bit because you're not physically here, uh, but you can find us there or on our Facebook page. I posted a link to the outline, and so you can follow along that way. There's some port important information at the end of it as well. We we've been studying this overarching big picture story of God's word and now I'm kind of thinking of it in movement so the first movement was God creates the universe creates it perfectly creates humanity and then humanity disobeys and rebels against God breaks the relationship with God and and then God promises that he's going to send a savior he's, he's going to fix this problem and then movement two was God telling us that he would send the Savior through a specific family, uh, the descendants of a man named Abraham. So he comes to Abraham. He makes a covenant, a promise with him. And then what we're going to study today, movement three, God has to organize that nation, that family. From Abraham, we have Isaac and then Jacob and and Jacob's family goes down to Egypt because Joseph is a leader there to escape the famine. The Israelites spend 400 years in Egypt. And because they keep growing and growing, uh, the Egyptians become afraid of them. They ultimately enslave them. So the Israelites spend hundreds of years in slavery. God sends Moses, who's going to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery. If you're reading with us on Facebook, we do a daily devotion uh, Monday through Friday. You're welcome to join us. Uh, but if you've been reading, you know the past two weeks, we've been studying through the plagues, which is kind of ironic, considering everything that's going on uh, in our world right now. But as we've read through the, the 10 plagues in the book, of, the book of Exodus, what we've learned is God's in control. God's in control no matter what the circumstances are, uh, no matter what's happening around us, and God is a protector for us. So it's been a great reminder, maybe preparing us for this season that we're walking through right now. Well, God sends Moses and leads the nation of Israel out of captivity in Egypt. Moses, I think, really becomes the first mediator between God and a large group of people. He's, he speaks to God on behalf of a million people, and he speaks to the people from God. So Moses really becomes this first type of mediator that's going back and forth between God and his people. Uh, the first five books of the Bible... Um, are sometimes called the Torah, the Pentateuch, or, or the books of Moses. We're going to be looking at Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy in this movement of what's happening in God's plan. Uh, Exodus chapter 19 takes place uh, about seven, eight weeks after Moses has led the nation out of slavery in Egypt. This is what it says. On the first day, of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. 
After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings, and brought you out myself." Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answers back to the Lord. So God begins this process of organizing his people. He makes another covenant now with Moses, like he did with Abraham, and says, if you will keep my commandments, if the people will follow me, they will be a blessed people. They'll be my treasured possessions. There is goodness, God is saying, when we obey him. And after making this covenant, God then begins to give laws. He begins to give rules. He starts with the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. But over these four books, God gives hundreds of rules. He gives hundreds of laws to his people. And we sometimes think of rules and laws as if they're punishment or as if they're negative or, or if, as if they're harsh. We sometimes talk as if Grace and law are the opposite of each other. Grace is over on this side and, and rules and law are over on this side and they don't mix and, and, they're, and they're the polar opposites of each other. But that's, that's not how the people of Israel received this law. It, it, I think the law that God gives is an act of grace. It's, a, it's an act of God's goodness. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, for one, the law gave the people clarity. This was now a group of people who worshiped a God who talked to them, who sent messages to them, who was very clear about what he desired for them, how they could worship him, how they, they could obey him. Think of all the polytheistic cultures that Israel would have been familiar with, all of the false god, gods, all of the idols made of wood and stone. Obviously, a wooden idol can't communicate what the idol wants you to do. So, so people who worshiped false gods, they were just guessing. Like, how can we please our God? How can we make our God happy? What does our God want? Israel's God, the one true God, was gracious to say, here's how you follow me. Here's how you obey me. Here's how you worship me. He gave them clarity about what, what they could do to obey him. And secondly, the law was a gift of grace because it... It protected God's people. Uh, God was offering insight and offering principles to his people as a way to say, this is how your life is going to work best. This is how you're going to be the most fulfilled. This is how you're going to figure out the purpose that I created you for. God didn't play hide and seek with all of that information. God was very clear and gracious to say, 
This is how your life works best. We see a, a lot of hashtags about people living their best life, right? My best life. The, the Word of God says that the way to live our best life is to obey God, is to listen to His principles and obey them and walk with Him. And it is the grace of God that makes that information clear to us. Not just then, but even today, God is gracious to tell us in the Old and the New Testament, this is how you live out your faith. This is how you live in obedience to God. He's not telling us, he wasn't telling the nation of Israel how to join the family of God. That had already happened when, when God's grace came to Abraham and he trusted God by faith. Now God's saying to the nation, this is what it looks like for you to live by faith, for you to walk with me. He's saying the same things to us. Think about it this way. The law is what, is what God was doing for his people not what God was doing to his people. The law is what God was doing for his people. God's trying to help us. God's saying this is how your life and your relationships and your future is going to work to its fullest potential when you live in obedience to me. When we find ourselves pushing against the principles of God, and we all do that, we all have times in our life when we know what God said, but we really want to do something else, and there's that tension, there's that pushing back on the boundaries that God has set in place. Those are the times that we need to remember. These laws are a gracious gift given for us given for our good and our protection under the promises and the commandments of God. Now, if you were going to organize a million people, if you were going to organize a nation, I don't know what rules you would come up with. I don't, I don't know how you would lay, lay out the laws for that nation, but God lays out the rules according to two principles, I think. And, and, and here are the two categories. The big categories of God's law come down to how we relate to God and how we relate to each other. How we relate to God and how we relate to other. And all of the laws and commands can funnel into those two categories. How we relate to God, how we're going to relate to others. Think of the Ten Commandments. The first four, how we relate to God, the last six, how we relate to other people. And all of the hundreds of other laws that are going to come after the Ten Commandments, they fit into those same two categories. Now, I want to give you some words to think about within these categories. Uh, for example, when it comes to how we relate to God, I think the two key words in how we relate to God are holiness and gratitude. That's the message of the laws. Holiness and gratitude. Holiness on one hand, that God is set apart. He's unlike anyone else. He's more powerful. He's all-knowing. His ways are unlike anyone else's ways. His thoughts are unlike anyone else's thoughts. He's pure. He's sinless. He's righteous. He's utterly different than anything and anyone else. He's above all. He's supreme over all. And so the laws and the practices of the nation that God established, they reinforce this idea. Our God's holy. Our God's set apart. And therefore, we should be holy. 
We should imitate the nature of our God in the practice of these laws so that we would be holy, that we would be righteous, that, that we would submit to the all-powerful, all-knowing God. God gives his people rituals to follow, symbols to follow. He, he talks about uh, ceremonial cleansing. Uh, he gives the priests symbols and reminds them they're supposed to be pure. They're supposed to be holy and set apart. The sacrifices were a reminder that I'm sinful and God's holy. And my sin needs to be taken away. It needs to be dealt with in order for me to be in relationship with a holy God. So all throughout the Bible, we, we get these commands for his people, reminding them they serve a holy God and they're to be a holy people. They're not just to, to drift in the current of what everybody else thinks or what everybody else does, but their mind is to be shaped, their actions are to be shaped by a holy God. Second word, not only holiness, but I see throughout the laws this emphasis from God on gratitude, remembering the goodness of the Lord, pausing at times, remembering what God has done for us, remembering the blessings that God has put into our lives. God often challenges his people. Stop and remember what happened. Tell your kids what happened at this place. Remember the goodness of God. Now, to help us do that, God commanded festivals and feasts and ceremonies. God commanded his people to kind of break up their calendar so that their mind would be ready to show gratitude. So, a lot of times what happens in the busyness of our life, we, we're just trying to get from day to day and week to week and month to month and responsibilities and, and the months and the calendar just keeps turning over. God knew that would be true about us. So he said to his people, I want you to regularly hit pause and I want you to have a party. I want you to have a celebration and just remember the goodness that's in your life. Remember the blessings that are in your life? Some of us have had the experience of going on a spiritual retreat or going to a spiritual conference. And, and when we got away, when we got out of the ordinary and the normal, our mind refocused on the goodness of God, the, the blessings in our life. We, we developed a greater sense of worship and we developed a greater sense of gratitude. Now, sometimes... We alter our schedule to do that. Sometimes we put it on the calendar. I'm going to go away for a weekend or I'm going to take a couple of days off. I'm going to go to this conference and, and refocus on the goodness of God and the things that are good in my life. But let's be honest. Sometimes life changes the calendar for us. Sometimes life changes the schedule for us. I think it's one of the potential benefits of what we're experiencing right now. It's one of the potential benefits of life throwing us a big curveball right now. Look, look, I wish I didn't know the term coronavirus or COVID-19. I wish I didn't know anything about that. I, I, I wish we weren't talking about that right now. I, I, I wish we didn't have to change our routines right now and our, and our habits. I wish schools weren't closed and schedules weren't changed. But sometimes... 
our schedule gets interrupted as a way for God to remind us of his goodness in our life. Sometimes we take for granted how good everything has been until there's this sudden change that takes place. I don't know about you. I would love a week of normal. I would just love a big bucket of normal right now because life is anything but normal. I would like a few days that we didn't talk about toilet paper. That would be fantastic. Sometimes we forget how good normal is. We forget how good it is just to go to work See people that we love. It's been a crazy, crazy week. Everything's been shaken up. And sometimes that can be used by God to make us grateful for the things that we've been taking for granted. Um, sitting here in an empty room reminds me that I'm really grateful when this room's full. Being here on a Sunday morning and there's only five or six here and it makes me really grateful when there's a couple hundred people here. It makes me really grateful when the hallways are crowded and, and kids are running throughout the hall and the noise is loud. As a matter of fact, as I'm sitting here in an empty room, I'm thinking about a lot of you, right? Because a lot of you sit in the same places every single Sunday. And so even as the room is empty, I... I'm thinking, well, the McDuffie should be over here and the Owens should be over here and the Minton should be over here and the teenagers should be down here and the Arringtons should be over there and uh, Andy and Karen Petrunich and Barker should be over there and uh, Robin and Sharon Drake and Sherry Sharer and uh, Robin and Gary and the Hodges and the Kitchens and the Kirklands and the Dur Duncans kind of in the middle. And, and I could go on and on because you all sit in the same place every single week. This empty room reminds me just how much I love it when we're all together. How grateful I am that we worship week after week as a church. And sometimes you don't know how much you miss something until you actually have to miss it. You don't realize how much you love something and you're grateful for something. Until life hits pause, life shakes things up a little bit. And let's be honest. Sometimes we come on Sundays and we're just not that into it. We all have those, those days. Some, sometimes we come on Sundays and we kind of go through the motions. This is a season to recalibrate our heart and to be thankful for those normal, ordinary things that God's blessed us with. Maybe, maybe as we go through this, none of us know how long it's going to be, but maybe as we walk through this time, it, it, you could just keep a list. Boy, here are the things I miss. Here are the things I'm not going to take for granted anymore. God, here are the things I'm so grateful for, and life is different right now, and I can't wait till it gets back to be, being that way. Maybe just a good list of gratitude you and I could keep up with as we go through that. So our relationship to God... Holiness interrupting our schedule so that we're grateful, that we worship. The word to characterize our relationship with each other, the, the, the word I, 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 the only one I could think of was deference. Deference. 
the commands that God gives us when it comes to our relationship to each other are commands that we yield to one another, that we care about one another, that we value one another, that we, Paul's going to say in the New Testament, that we consider each other more important than ourselves. Or, or, or maybe even simpler than that, that we recognize that other people are actually in the world and other people actually matter. There's some people who probably just need to write that down. Maybe there's somebody you want to mail that to and say, hey, you need to remember other people are actually in the world. As God's organizing his nation, he keeps giving, giving these commands that essentially say, I want you to think about other people. So don't steal from people because they matter. They're, they're, don't lie to somebody because they're made in the image of God and they, they matter. He commands us not to kidnap anybody. Like really simple, practical, you should know this. But over and over as God's commanding the way we interact with each other, his main point is you got to value other people. you got to care about other people. The laws in this section admittedly can be boring. And let's just be honest, they can be really, really gross, like Dr. Pimple Popper gross, like really gross. Some of you have tried to read through Leviticus and you know, really, really gross. But God gets specific to say, you have to care about how your life impacts other people's lives. There's even what many people call hygiene laws or health laws that basically say, if you have something that's contagious, you got to stay away from the rest of the community for the good of everybody else. I promise, I didn't know we were all going to be in quarantine when I decided to teach this section of the Bible, but that's where we landed today. Leviticus, all kinds of hygiene laws. And yes, on one hand, those laws are saying to us, remember the holiness of God. When you see the impurity of humanity, even disease, even infection, when you see the impurity of life here, remember God's pure, God's holy. There's that aspect. But there's also the aspect of you've got to care about other people. You've got to care about the community. You've got to value how your life might impact the lives of others. It, this, this, this phrase isn't in the Bible, but God seems to be one of the first to encourage social distancing. The first to say, look, we're, we're building a people here. And as a people, we got to care about each other. We got to value each other. We got to love each other. We, at times, have to put ourselves out for the sake of others. We got to care. We got to show deference in our relationships to others. So God gives all of these commands, how we relate to God, how we relate to others. But one other big thought. God isn't just a distant being making up rules. He's a God who has come close to his people. God's not just handing down commands. And sometimes Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, De Deuteronomy, they kind of feel that way. They kind of feel like God's just kind of up in heaven handing down, down rules. But the other part of this section of the Bible is that God keeps coming close to his people. God speaks to Moses from a, a burning bush. He's present. He's there. Uh, God 
comes down to Mount Sinai in a thunderous cloud. He's there with his people. God leads them with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day so that when they see that, they know our God's here. He's not just giving us a bunch of rules. Our God's here with us. He commands Moses that they they build a tabernacle so that the people will know God's in our midst. In the middle of the tabernacle was the Holy of Holies. The presence of God resided there. The Ark of the Covenant sat in this room called the Holy of Holies. It represented the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant would go in front of the people when they traveled. And as they followed the Ark of the Covenant, they knew... Our God's with us. He's not just off in heaven somewhere. He's not just giving us a list of rules. He's with us. He's here. Look, God didn't just care about giving us rules for relationships. He came to have a relationship with us. He came to be in relationship with us. Not just describe it. Not just have a theory about it. Not just give us a list of commands. God came to be with us. So he kept saying to his people, I'm here. I'm here in the cloud. I'm here in the fire. I'm here at the ark of the cloud. I'm here. I am in your midst. Thousands of years later, Jesus would come. Emmanuel, God with us. And he would keep saying, I'm here. I'm God and I'm here. I'm near you. I'm walking with you. I'm never going to leave you. We are in a relationship with one another. And I think that's a message we need today. Fast forward 2,000 years, and it has been a crazy, ridiculous few weeks. It just has. A lot of us are anxious, and that's understandable. There's a lot we don't know. We're all trying to get the best information And then things start canceling. Things start going. Huge sporting events start canceling. The the NBA cancels or postpones its season. The Masters postpones the golf tournament. That's when I knew this was the apocalypse. When the Masters postponed, I knew we were in the apocalypse. The NCAA basketball tournament, really? My college is not good at very many sports, but we are great at women's basketball. We are the number one team in the nation right now. Go Lady Gamecocks. And it gets canceled. And this domino effect of cancellations and emergency notices keep happening over and over again. And and the worst of it, let's be honest, the worst of it is, is not sports. The worst of it is there, there are people who depend on these events happening for their livelihood. Uh, there are people who, if they don't get to work the concessions at, at these events, if they don't get to show up for their job, they might lose their house. Like, that's the greater tragedy that's happening all around us. And, and it's easy to look at that and become anxious and become afraid. But God, throughout his word, both Old Testament and New Testament, kept kept reassuring us. He kept saying, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm with you. I'm walking with you. Jesus came and said, I'm never going away. I'm in you. The Spirit of God is going to live in you if you're a follower of Jesus. We are not alone. We are not alone as we walk through this time. 
You see, God's people then and now, God's people weren't just organized around rules. They were organized around relationships. And yes, there were rules that facilitated and, and, and maximized the relationship, kept the relationships as healthy as possible, but they were organized around relationships with God and with each other. It's no wonder when Jesus later was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said it was two things, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Because from the beginning, God had been emphasizing those two relationships, love God, love other people, God's not just a, rule, a God of making rules. He's a God who wants to be in relationship with us and wants us to be in relationship with each other. As we walk through this difficult time, it's relationships that we're going to lean on. I know we don't get to see each other maybe as often, but the reality is there may be somebody that needs you to check on them. There may be somebody you need to make a phone call to. You need to send a text to. You need to let them know that you're available to them. Maybe there's somebody in that vulnerable, high-risk group that's anxious about getting out in public, and you can run an errand for them. You can go to the grocery store for them. We need each other. Even if it's a little bit at a distance right now, we were created for relationships. Maybe it's helping the fish ministry or or helping shepherd staff in the ministries that they have right now. Whatever the chaos is right now, whatever the chaos that is going to come, God is with us. And he's encouraged us to be with and for each other. And if we are, if love leads the way, if deference leads the way, if valuing one another leads the way, we'll get the rules right. I will get the regulations right if we lead with relationship and with love. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a God of relationship. That even in giving your commands and even in giving the laws, those were to strengthen to make healthy our relationship with you and our relationship with other people. God, help us to worship you, relate to you as a holy God, to be grateful to you for the goodness and blessings that you've put in our life. May this season be a time that reminds us, you know what, there's a lot of good things in my life. I, I can't wait to get back to normal because normal is such a great blessing in my life. And then as we relate to one another, may we show deference, may we value, may we love, may we put others ahead of ourselves, be concerned with others and not just ourselves so that you will be glorified because you are with us through everything that's happening. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.